Hello and welcome to this Endo Life. I'm Jessica Duffin. I'm an Endo Warrior and Endo Health Coach, and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. As always, this podcast is here for educational purposes only. Please consult your medical practitioner before making any nutritional changes or bringing in any supplements. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to give a shout out to my lovely sponsors at BU. And I wanted to tell you about their new bath bombs, which are naturally made and contain beautiful essential oils. And their peppermint and eucalyptus essential oils um, bath bomb is doing so well right now with endometriosis community. They're getting loads of feedback about it. And, you know, if you love the patches themselves you're going to love the bath bombs because essentially it's (laughs) the patch in a bath bomb um so you know if you're on your period or if you're in pain you could have a bath with some of the bath bombs or one of them I don't know you could have multiple if you want um and then yeah get out the bath maybe rub in some cbd balm and put your patch on top, which is um, what a lot of people are feeding back that they're doing. So um, I would love to do that, but um, I don't have a bath, so I can't. But if you have a bath, um, then, you know, I think these new bath bombs could be a lovely way to help alleviate some of your pain. So if you'd like to check them out, you can go to BU, which is buonline.co.uk, and you can also order them from anywhere in the world on cultbeauty.co.uk and they deliver worldwide. So before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to give a shout out to the lovely girls at Semaine. They are two sisters with endometriosis. They've been on the show before and they founded Semaine, which is a supplement company for people with periods to originally their first supplement was to aid with PMS and period pain. And I know that it is a lifesaver for so many people with endometriosis and painful periods. I absolutely love that supplement. It's really helped me when I've had to kind of follow protocols for SIBO or, you know, I've had a stressful time and I've been worried about my period. I've been able to avoid a flare with that supplement and they've always been so kind and um, kindly sent me sent me them when I when I've needed them. And now they've come out with a new supplement called the Daily, and it is a hormone balancing supplement, which is designed to help with healthy skin, stable mood, fewer cravings in your luteal phase, blood sugar balance. And they recently gifted it to me. Honestly, I said this to my client the other day. My blood sugar levels have never felt so stable as they did when I was taking that day, daily supplement. As you guys know, I I work very hard to stabilize my blood sugar levels because that will keep inflammation down and it also ensures that you have healthy balanced hormones. It's, it's really, really key. And I have a history of having really unstable blood sugar. Originally growing up, it was because of my eating disorder. But then in later years, it was much more down to firstly following a vegan diet when I didn't understand how to build my plate, a healthy blood sugar balancing plate. And secondly, because of my microbiome and my microbiome because of SIBO is 
built to actually extract more glucose from my food and cause blood sugar instability. This is actually a really key piece of blood sugar. If your blood sugar is resisting all of the strategies you're trying, that is a massive clue that your microbiome is affecting the way that your blood sugar is is being controlled in your body. So we need to work on that, work on your gut. And mine has improved mine has improved massively, but I still react much more um erratically than someone else would to blood sugar fluctuations. And I couldn't believe the difference. It was like I had a whole month of like stable blood sugar. It was incredible. And as a result, I had much more of a healthier cycle. I felt a lot more satisfied. I had less food cravings. I just felt a lot more stable in energy. So I'm a really big fan of this. And as I said, blood sugar is a huge piece to managing your hormones, hence why blood sugar is such a big part of their their supplement. So the girls have kindly given me a discount code for you guys. It will get you 20% off your first um, order, whether that's the daily or the PMS and period support capsules. And the code is ENDOLIFE, one word, all caps. So E-N-D-O-L-I-F-E. And that code is valid for the next six months, I believe. So you can use it at any time. Um, So let me know how you get on with them. I'd love to hear if you find them as amazing as I did. And I hope that they bring you a happier and healthier cycle and period. So before we get started today, I wanted to let you know that I'm currently off on annual leave. So one of my goals this year was to take more time off or to take time off full stop because my habit has been to work right until Christmas every year. So this year is all about pacing. And so I'm not recording new episodes. The episode you're hearing today is a replay of a past episode. And as it's IBS Awareness Month, and because so many of us with endo have IBS, I wanted to share with you my most foundational, actionable, and informative episodes on the endo belly, IBS, and SIBO. So every week, you'll get two episodes on this theme to help raise awareness and to provide you with some actions. Now, because these episodes are old, I may not refer to some of the resources I provide on the Underbelly. So I wanted to remind you of the services that I do provide and the resources I do provide so that you know where to go if you want to get kind of more information after you've listened to an episode. So to start with, I have plenty of other episodes on the Underbelly. I have a course that's actually called the Endobelly course, which is specifically for anyone with endo who really struggles with IBS, endobelly or SIBO. That's not out right now. It will be later on this year. I also work with one-to-one clients, especially those with endobelly or SIBO. And I have lots and lots of free articles on endometriosis news and endometriosis net about these topics. And of course, I also have my Instagram account, which is chock full of SIBO and endobelly info for those of you, you know, who want to kind of learn like little bits here and there. I've got lots of Instagram lives on there. I've got videos, I've got reels, I've got posts. So there's so much information there. And lastly, if you feel like you need a little bit of extra support, I'm currently running a free endobelly challenge. So you get an email every Monday with some endo belly information and an action tip, action step to help you manage your endo belly symptoms. 
The challenge ends on April 18th, but if you sign up before May the 2nd, you'll still be able to access all of the challenge and catch up with all of the emails. And for anyone who takes part, you'll also be invited to a private free Q&A call with me at the start of May, where you'll get to ask me all of your endo belly questions and any questions that came up for you as you did the challenge. Okay, so I hope those resources are helpful and I hope that this episode is helpful. So without further ado, let's get to it. So today's episode um, is a series. I'm not actually quite sure how long the series is going to be. Let's see, let's see how it goes. Um, all about the endo belly and really kind of breaking down what the endo belly is and kind of getting to grips with how important the gut is. So today's show is really an introduction to it and it might be a little bit surprising to you some of the methods that I suggest to manage the endo belly and also um, what can cause it and what can affect it. So many of us deal with the endo belly and if you're not sure what I'm talking about it's the bloating that often comes with living with endometriosis. And for some people, it happens around their period. For some people, it happens all the time. And if that is the case, then we're kind of looking at a couple of things going on rather than just one. And many of us don't really know what it is. So there isn't a kind of definitive answer on what the endo belly is. They're not 100% sure. There's not a huge amount of research into it. Um... So in this series, I'm going to be exploring the various factors that might be contrib contributing to that bloating that you get with endometriosis. Um, at a very, very basic level, there are two kind of bodies of thought. One is that um, the, and you know, scientifically this makes perfect sense, um, the endometriosis patches, the lesions, actually give off uh, inflammatory chemicals. They, you know, they've seen that they do this. Um, and on top of that, you've got your immune system constantly attacking these lesions because they're not going anywhere. They're not, they're not disappearing when they should be. They should be cleared out of the body. The immune system should be able to clear up this mess. And it, so it can't, it can't do that. It doesn't, it's not working as effectively with endometriosis. So, it's just sending more and more inflammation to the area because that's what our body does. Like inflammation is part of the immune's healing response. So we've got a lot of inflammation going on in that area and it's sort of like a cycle. The endometriosis is releasing inflammatory chemicals, the immune system sending inflammatory chemicals, and then the body's like it's not working and that goes up to the brain. So the brain sends more inflammatory uh, inflammation down and there's pain signals coming from the lesions um, or you know there's there's pain coming from the area going to the brain and so it's sending a more of an immune response so you've just got this big cycle of inflammation going on and this can cause swelling and the scarring and the adhesions that are forming from lesions can also cause swelling as well so the swelling can definitely be a cause of the bloated abdomen. And of course, as the lesions kind of get more irritated and begin to break down towards our period, then that's going to be adding to that inflammation, especially because uh, when we are due on, our body releases inflammatory chemicals um, in order to help our body to start cramping. 
and to start get the blood, getting the blood moving. So if we've got high levels of inflammation in our body, then um, that could be worsening the effects. Then we have uh, IBS. So many people with endometriosis were misdiagnosed with IBS. And even if they weren't misdiagnosed, they are suffering from symptoms of IBS. And that can include bloating. So those are kind of the two um, basic bodies of thought without getting kind of you know, that they're kind of umbrellas and there's more, I guess there's more to it underneath as we're, we're explore. But today I'm starting from the very top and this series is really going to be focusing on the gut in regards to um, the endo belly rather than the kind of inflammation because throughout so much of the um, podcasts I've done, like inflammation has been such a big topic. Um, so... I might get someone else on the show to go into the science of the breakdown of the lesions and the swelling that happens around there. We'll see. But the the kind of point of this series is more to talk about the gut as we haven't really covered that in great detail on the show. So I'm not actually going to begin with what we eat, but when and how we eat. And just as importantly, how you're feeling when you eat. So you could have a really healthy diet, but if you have poor gut health, you're firstly you're not going to be absorbing nutrients properly, or you're you know you're going to have a lesser chance of absorbing those nutrients properly, and that can lead to malabsorption um, and deficiencies, which can worsen your symptoms such as fatigue. Secondly, your poor gut health is likely contributing to sensitivities and intolerances, and as a result, that's creating a heightened immune response and that's resulting in further inflammation in the body. I want to explore what this has to do with how, where and when you're eating and how you're feeling when you're eating. So the first point is that for the body to optimally absorb food and to function efficiently, you actually need to be relaxed when eating. The reason being is because stress actually shuts down um, or slows down the digestion, um, or, you know, it, it impairs it depending on the level of stress. So you have something called the sympathetic nervous system, and that's a network of nerves within the brain and body which trigger the flight or fight response when we're stressed out. And, you know, back in the day, in the caveman days, that was when we were stressed by threats from another tribe or threats from wild animals, something like that. But the basic, you know, our basic bodily functions haven't really evolved and kept up with the rate of change in our world. So we still have this response going off anytime we feel stressed. So that could be um, trolls on the internet. It could be our boss. It could be comparison on social media. It could be money. Um, it could be the kids shouting while you're trying to eat dinner, whatever it is, um, it could be triggering this flight or fight response. And the flight or fight response is the kind of functions that happen in the body that prepare us to either run from the threat or to attack, to fight it, to take it on. 
So this can be such as, you know, increasing our heart rate so we can pump more blood around our body so we can run. Um, it can be kind of getting the muscles engaged and ready, sending blood to the muscles so that they're ready to fight or run. And it basically takes the attention away from the more non-survival, like in the moment survival actions. So that includes something like the digestion. So when we're stressed, the brain sends signals to slow down or to stop the digestion so that energy can be directed to getting through the situation, the stressful situation alive. So we don't need our digestion in that moment when we're going to attack So or we're going to run and the body will take the energy away from there and focus on the other essential um, systems. Then we have the parasympathetic nervous system, which is otherwise known as the rest and digest system. So that largely controls the digestion um, and brings the body back into balance, especially after the sympathetic nervous system has kind of kicked into action. So it's also the system that's in control when we're asleep, because that's when the majority of our repairing and healing and kind of cleaning of our body happens. So that that system is in control when we're asleep. So to properly absorb nutrients, we need to turn down the sympathetic nervous system and turn on the parasympathetic nervous system. And if we're not doing that, if we're eating under really stressful situations, then we are not going to be able to create the right amount of digestive enzymes, the right amount of stomach acid, right enough you know, the right amount of bile, we are going to be impairing our body's ability to break down the food and absorb nutrients. And we might even cause um, digestive distress. So kind of cramping uh, if we're really nervous and we're kind of getting that tight stomach feeling. So the second reason why this matters is because stress is a key contributor to something called leaky gut. So the gut lining is the wall of your gut and it's very, very thin. It's one cell thick and it has very tight junctions, meaning kind of where each cell joins is very, very tight. There's there's very little space there. And these cells allow through nutrients. And in the gut lining, you'll find good bacteria. Um, you will find digestive enzymes, um, and these will help to break down the food and it will support the structure of the gut lining. Um, and, you know, they'll do the work to help get the, you know, break down the nutrients and get them passed through, through the gut barrier safely and into the bloodstream on the other side. Now on the other side of the gut lining, there's actually kind of a wall, if you like, of our immune system. So there are kind of immune cells waiting on the other side to attack anything that shouldn't be there, like pathogens, like something that was going to cause us food poisoning that was small enough to pass through the gut lining. Actually, 80% of our immune system is in or around our gut. So this is a really important thing to, to take note of. So then when cortisol is released during the stressful situation, so that's one of our stress hormones, it triggers the release of protein molecules called cytokines um, from the immune system. Now, so many of these cytokines are actually inflammatory and they actually cause the intestinal barrier to be weakened. So that gut lining I'm talking about, 
these cytokines that are released from released during the stress response actually break down and weaken the gut lining. They weaken that those tight junctions, those tight gaps between the cells. They essentially cause those gaps to widen, which means particles that shouldn't be getting through get through. So things like bacteria that shouldn't be getting through, larger food particles that shouldn't be getting through, they can all get through this gut bacteria, uh, this gut barrier now. As I mentioned, on the other side is the immune system, and that's ready and waiting to attack things like bacteria that might make us sick. But all of a sudden, there's, you know, well, not necessarily all of a sudden, over time, there's um, other stuff passing through, which isn't supposed to be there. And the immune system reacts because it's recognizing something that shouldn't be there. It's not necessarily something that is dangerous to us. It's just not supposed to be there. And the immune system essentially overreacts a bit. So this causes an inflammatory response in the area, but when chronic can cause inflammation across the body, because what's happening is every time we eat, the immune system is having this inflammatory response and it's not calming down because we're eating every day. And so this inflammation becomes chronic, it becomes constant and our bodies go, you know, become chronically inflamed systemically all over. And what happens when we have leaky gut is that we then start developing intolerances and sensitivities because we are experiencing an immune reaction to foods. Um, so we might suddenly find that we're reacting to everything or we were, we could eat gluten before, or we could eat eggs before, or we could eat certain um, grains before, and all of a sudden we can't. And that is likely to do with having a compromised gut lining and the immune system is suddenly reacting to everything. And you may find that you're having kind of allergy slash sensitivity reactions in the rest of your body. You eat and you get headache, you eat and you get congestion, you eat and you get a bad stomach, you eat and you get a rash, you eat and you get achy joints. So if you're having those kind of symptoms, consider that you may have some leaky gut going on. So the third reason why this is so important, like considering what's going on with um, how you're feeling when you're eating, is that the stomach contains acid, which serves the role of breaking down food, killing bad bacteria that, you know, was on our food or was on our hands. There's bacteria everywhere and it can be good or bad. Um, but, you know, the, the, the body has ways of dealing with that. So the stomach acid should be killing it off. Um, the stomach acid is also really important for protein breakdown and absorption. And it also releases B12 from foods we eat so that we can digest and absorb that B12. And B12 plays a really important role in our cognitive function and our energy um, amongst so many other things. Um, but many people who are struggling with things like brain fog and fatigue may find, not always, this isn't always the case, but um, may find that B12 is an issue. Maybe they're deficient or they're just not getting enough in their diet or they're having problems absorbing it. So stress, among other things, can actually reduce stomach acid. And what happens is it's exactly 
the same as what I was talking about earlier. The brain is turning the digestion off and the signals to create stomach acid. We've seen food. Our body's like, okay, get that stomach acid ready. It's just not happening because our stress response is turning it off. So when we have low stomach acid, this can cause poor food breakdown and IBS issues because if you think about it, your food is coming in, it's not breaking down properly and then you've got like big chunks of food in your stomach causing things like fermentation um, because the gut bacteria is just getting these lovely big chunks of food and it's like really excited and it starts eating it all and creating fermentation. Um, and of course it's just harder for our body to digest. So we start getting IBS issues and an upset stomach like gas, cramping, bloating, diarrhea. It also creates gut bacteria imbalances because you are suddenly letting through a lot more bacteria than you were before. So bacteria, whether it's good or bad, has an opportunity to, um, grow in abnormal ratios or where it shouldn't be. So with the gut bacteria, the small intestine has a small amount of bacteria. It's the large intestine that has the majority of the bacteria. So we want to make sure that we're keeping the bacteria in balance, especially in the small intestine, because when it grows in large numbers um, and kind of out of the ratios that it should be in, that's when we get something like SIBO. And SIBO is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, and I will be talking about that in these series. Um, in this series, so if you want to learn more, um, yeah, I'm going to be talking about it, and I'm already talking about it in a series on Instagram, so you can just head over there. It can also cause nutrient deficiencies like B12 um, or amino, you know, protein and amino acids, because the part of the digestion of those that begin in the stomach isn't happening. The fourth reason why this is important is because we have digestive enzymes in our gut. Digestive enzymes help our body to break down and make use of fats, carbohydrates, proteins, and they are so essential to absorbing these nutrients um, and making use of them. If you don't have these, then you're likely going to be struggling to absorb the nutrients. You're going to be likely struggling to break down the food. So you're going to be having gut reactions. Um, it might even be irritating the gut lining because you can't, you're not digesting this food properly. So you've kind of got larger chunks, um, larger particles that might be irritating the gut lining. Um, and your bacteria in your gut is reacting to the food more because it's not broken down properly. So there's all of this undigested food um, and unutilized food that the bacteria, we're not getting the food, we're not getting the protein, we're not getting the carbohydrates um, or the fats. So the bacteria is having a field day, mainly on the carbohydrates. Bacteria really um, feed off carbohydrates. So you may find that if you're low in the enzyme for carbohydrates that you, or the enzymes for carbohydrates, that you're having quite a big reaction in terms of bloating, gas, um, because the bacteria are having a field day that there's lots of carbohydrates in your system that they can eat up. And with everything else I've mentioned today, the stress response 
can then slow down the digestion and impair kind of the signals um, from the brain to start getting ready for digestion. Uh, we already have some digestive enzymes existing in our gut, but then also a large amount of them are released from the pancreas um, and then enter enter into our gut to do their job. So if our body is in this flight or fight and it's like, I don't have time for digesting right now, it's going to slow down those signals or stop them completely. And so we're not having a lovely release of digestive enzymes to help us break down that food. And if you're, you know, if you're really struggling with, di with digestive enzymes, for example, like I am, that's something that we have discovered when I did the GI map and organic acids tests, um, you're not absorbing your food properly. So just to give you an example, I haven't been absorbing antioxidants. Um, so I haven't, I haven't been absorbing vitamin A, I haven't been absorbing vitamin C, I haven't been absorbing magnesium, um, I haven't been absorbing B vitamins, <laughs> vitamin D. So I have been, um, my gut health has really compromised my health overall. So you can see how these gut problems can result in further problems with our endometriosis because low B vitamins can cause fatigue and brain fog um, and low levels of B, uh, vitamin D can has been associated with higher levels of inflammation and low levels of antioxidants means that there's more oxidation in your body um, because you don't have the antioxidants to counteract them and then you've got more inflammation. So um, really given everything that I have going on in my gut, I'm surprised that I don't have higher levels of inflammation and kind of pain in, you know, with my, with my endometriosis. But I guess that shows why I have to, you know, why I'm so sensitive to foods. Um, because if I'm not really, really controlling what I eat, uh, in a healthy way, I'm, I'm super happy with the way I eat most of the time, except on this elimination diet. Um, then if I, you know, have a bit of gluten or I have a bit of sugar, or I have a bit of coffee, I tend to know about it. So that makes sense. Um, so the fifth reason is that the gut microbiome, so that's the bacteria that live in your gut that help us to digest food, that send signals to the brain that are really responsible for so, so many actions in our body can also be impaired due to stress. Um, and the stress can deplete it, it can upset the ratios, um, it can do all sorts of things with the gut microbiome and this results in imbalances between the kinds of bacteria that we have in our gut. And imbalances with, with the bacteria can result in issues like excess fermentation, as I was mentioning before, leading to gas and bloating, or it could lead to perhaps other kind of non-endobelly related issues such as um, depression or anxiety um, or like low energy production because our the bacteria is such an important part of our body. It's so essential um, and they serve so many roles and have been heavily linked to mental health. So often people who have issues like depression, anxiety, have some gut health um, issues especially with their gut bacteria. And the sixth reason why 
stress, you know, why it's important to be eating in a relaxed environment, feeling good when you're eating, is because generally stress can cause GI distress. So it can cause things like um, cramping, diarrhea, um, can definitely cause constipation too. But I think if you think about when you're nervous or stressed out, a lot of people tend to get a more of an upset stomach. Could cause nausea, uh, can cause acid reflux. It can cause um, excess gas, abdominal pain. So again, another reason, another way that stress can affect the gut and then result in bloating that we know to be the endobloat. So again, there are other reasons why bloating might occur like SIBO, like other issues that we're going to dive into over the next few series, uh, next few episodes of this series. Um, But this is on a very basic level. We're going back to kind of the essentials of how you're eating your food and the feelings you're having when you're eating the food and how that impacts on your digestion and then on this bloating that you're experiencing. Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. These natural patches last for 12 hours, so they bring you prolonged relief and can begin working on relaxing your muscles before the pain kicks in, so you're prepared even if your period comes during the middle of the day. Some people even find that wearing them a night before their period can really help soothe the inflammation in the area. To shop, just head to link in my show notes. So just to recap, the first reason this is important is because for the body to to optimally absorb foods and to function efficiently, you need to be relaxed when you're eating because the flight or fight response will turn off or slow down the digestive system. The second reason is because stress is a key contributor to leaky gut and leaky gut can create all sorts of problems, including intolerances and sensitivities and bloating as a result. The third reason is stomach acid. So feeling stressed out and not just not feeling good when you're about to eat or rushing can reduce the stomach acid in your stomach. The fourth reason is that stress can affect our production of digestive enzymes, which means that we are not breaking down or absorbing uh, essential macro and micronutrients. Number five is that the gut microbiome can also be impaired from stress and that can result in imbalances which leads to all sorts of problems including excess fermentation and bloating. And number six is that generally stress causes GI issues especially in people who have IBS. So how do you know if your body is in flight or fight or rest and digest mode? So I'm going to ask you a series of questions. You don't have to ask these every time you eat because that's probably just going to stress you out. But just have an awareness of it. Think about how you tend to eat and maybe make some changes if you feel that you can take that on at the moment. So the first question to ask yourself is, are you rushing your food? Are you eating your food at your desk whilst you're standing up, like phone in one hand, you're trying to send an email Um, or you're trying to eat quickly because you've got a meeting or you're in the middle of a meeting and you guys are just, you know, having like a two minute lunch break to like stuff down a wrap whilst you're talking. 
This rushing is going to be perceived by your body as stress, but it's also just not going to be turning on the parasympathetic nervous system. It's not going to be optimizing your digestive system. Are you feeling fearful or anxious about food? Are you at this point where you're like, I just don't know what the hell to eat? I had a situation last week. It was the first week on this elimination diet and um, my nutritionist has been trying to get me to eat eggs and obviously you guys know I'm uh, vegan. Um, I've tried eggs a couple of times in the past. I just haven't really got on with them. But I was starving. I couldn't find anything that I could eat. So the one place that would serve kind of anything for me um, and all was this, was one place that had poached eggs on the menu and it also had a side of asparagus and broccoli so I had poached eggs and asparagus and broccoli and um I was so I'd have no if you eat eggs in front of me I have no problem with it absolutely no problem um but I have discovered that because it's a mental thing for me and it's a value thing for me I struggle with seeing the eggs like, you know, in that form, in that cooked form, right in front of me, still kind of runny on the inside. Um, I I'm doing much better cooking them into things, so I'm not really noticing it, noticing it unless I can taste them, then that becomes a bit of a problem. But um they were runny and they just leaked all over the asparagus and broccoli. And um it was the first time I was eating them. Um and it just did not agree with me at all. I felt really stressed out about it, that I was kind of making this decision out of desperation of being really hungry because I knew that just eating the broccoli and the asparagus wouldn't be enough to stabilize my blood sugar. And that wasn't going to be any good for my health. So I, I knew I needed some protein in some form, but I can't eat any grains. I can't eat any nuts. Um, and there weren't any plain, you know, unflavored beans on the menu um so I went with the eggs and I just felt very stressed and under pressure and then there was um a family next to me who had by the sounds of it recently gone vegan for veganuary and they were really making daggers at my eggs and I just felt so uncomfortable and um I had some of the wor worst intestinal pain I've ever had it was literally like my digestive tract was seizing up and being like nope not letting these eggs through and it was just so painful I didn't have any other symptoms other than this intense pain that made me feel like I could barely stand up so it's just really interesting how feeling fearful or anxious about your food can affect your digestive system and it's sending it's sending the same stress response it doesn't matter what you're stressed out about it's still sending that stress response out into your body um, so if you are feeling anxious or fearful around your food, whether you have kind of, um, you know, a difficult relationship with food because of a history of eating disorders or whether it's more that you're just not sure what's causing your endometriosis triggers. Um, firstly, I would suggest going back and listening to my last two episodes with Molly Robertson, because we talk all about that. And secondly, I would try to work with someone, um, you know, a psychologist, if it's more, a mental emotional thing or a nutritionist or a health coach to help you work out what your triggers are so you can start actually eating in more of a relaxed way and feeling more confident about the foods you're choosing to eat.
The second question is a little bit like the first one, but are you eating on the go in the middle of something, uh, in the middle of like rushing down the road, you're trying to eat your sandwich or, you know, on the tube, you're feeling a bit uncomfortable, but you've got to get something in because you're so hungry, you're going to pass out. Um, are you eating on the go? Because again, you're not, you're, you're rushing, you're not really paying attention to your food, you're not looking at your food, you're not kind of like, you're not telling your brain to get excited about the food so that the signals to your body, you know, get sent to be like, okay, make the digestive enzymes, make the bile, make the acid. Um, your body isn't being prepared to eat because the thing, the focus is I've got to get where I'm going or I've got to get through this report. I've got to do this. And that is creating, you know, a suboptimal environment for your digestion. Are you eating in a tense or unhappy environment when you eat? Um, so this could be as simple as um, you are having a bad day at work and you're really pissed off with your colleague and you're eating at your desk next to them and that's just, you just feel ratty. Um, or is it a bit deeper? Are you eating at home in a stressful environment where you and your partner aren't quite getting on and dinner times are just a little bit awkward? Or are you living somewhere where you're feeling unhappy and when you sit down at your dining room table to eat, you're just faced with the fact that you're in this living room that you're really uncomfortable with, you're not happy there? Or it could be something like, not necessarily that it's a tense or unhappy environment, but it could be stressful. Maybe you know, maybe you have children and dinner times have become a bit of a free-for-all and the kids are kind of screaming at each other and fighting or running around or you're actually eating in front of the TV and um, the kids are playing and there's just lots of noise going on, you're struggling to eat off your lap. Like, it could be very, very simple, but it's just not optimal for digestion. Are you standing up when you're eating rather than sitting down and kind of paying attention to your food? Are you gulping down your food? Are you like not really spending time chewing and you're just kind of inhaling that food to get it in? Are you not enjoying your food? I am a prime example. The past two weeks, I've really not enjoyed my food. Um, and there could be many things that I could change about that with the elimination diet, you know, experimenting with new recipes, doing a bit more meal prep. It's difficult when you're busy and you are moving away. Pretty much everything that I used to eat has been eliminated. So I'm I'm not just having to try new recipes. I'm actually having to rethink how I cook. I can't use any milks. So I can't use any oat milks, can't use any almond milk. Um, I can't use any hemp seeds. I can't use any binders that I used to use, like flax um, or psyllium husk. I can't use arrowroot. I can't use, you know, there's literally little things that, you know, I shouldn't even be using much um, baking powder. There's, there's so many things that are affecting what I can make that it's literally a whole uh, mindset change. I'm, I'm having to learn how to cook in a completely different way. So that definitely takes time and I'm learning. So I'm, you know, I'm making foods that aren't that enjoyable. And then I'm just forcing myself to eat it because I have to, but I'm just a bit miserable whilst I'm doing it. And that's not going to send the right signals to your brain. You're not going to be making the saliva. The digestion begins in your saliva. 
that you have digestive juices in your saliva that begin to break down. And if we're not getting excited about our food, if we're not telling our brain we're about to eat this lovely nourishing meal, it's just not going to optimally begin that digestion process. And the saliva is not going to be produced in the same way. The enzymes won't be produced in the same way. We need to be, you know, enjoying our food to feel relaxed about it, but also to create this optimal digestion. So what ways can you engage the parasympathetic nervous system when you're eating in order to optimize digestion? So think about where you're eating. Move away from your work. If you're eating at your desk, I am guilty of this. My living room table is my work desk. So I just tend to eat right in front of my computer, my keyboard pushed to the side. Um, and it's bad, I know. <laughs> but um i'm working on that um so consider where you're eating give yourself time to eat 5 minutes is not optimal it's not going to be enough time to chew your food sometimes granted sometimes we can't always have this perfect scenario for eating it doesn't always work like that i would rather you eat and get some food in your system than not eat at all because you're like oh, i'm not sitting at a table I have to eat on the train. If that's the case, that's the case. Um, and I've got a couple of tips to help with something like that. Um, but try to give yourself time to eat, you know, 15 minutes at least to really chew your food and enjoy your food. Choose food that you enjoy as often as possible. Think about colour, taste, texture, smells. Make it enticing. Like, make yourself feel excited to eat the food. And it can take really small changes. It could be like a squeeze of orange juice over a salad. It could be like a sprinkle of seeds that make it look interesting. It could be a couple of different colour of vegetables. Beetroot, carrot, yellow pepper. It could be a sprinkle of fresh herbs or... Um, you know, some broccoli sprouts or alfalfa sprouts, just to make it look enticing, a drizzle of olive oil, um, sprinkle of some dried herbs, just make sure that you're adding flavor and color and beautiful smells to your food. It doesn't have to be crazy fancy, it just needs to be interesting to you. If you're feeling fear around your food, um, address that, as I mentioned, with the support of a dietitian or a mental health expert, health coach, nutritionist, etc. Um, try to calm down before you eat. So something that I do with a lot of my clients is just asking them, okay, if you're really busy, if you have to eat on the go, just take a deep breath. You know, count in four breaths, count in to four, breathe out six. So breathe in through your nose and breathe out through your mouth. You could do it three times. You could just do it once. If you're on, you know, if you're eating on the go, if you're walking down the street or you are on the bus or on a tube or um, at your desk, like it's a busy day. You've just got to get the food in. Just literally take a breath. It's not going to take even more than a minute, guys. You're like literally hot, literally doing it for a couple of seconds um, and it can really, really help. Um, alternatively or with, you could have some, something you're grateful for. Say, stop before you eat and just say something in your head about what you're grateful for. It could be really simple. Like I'm grateful today that I got some time to talk with my partner at breakfast. It could be super simple, but it kind of stops the 
the stress response in its tracks. You're kind of interfering with that constant signal it's sending. I'm stressed out, I'm stressed out, I'm stressed out. And it's like, I'm just going to take a minute to appreciate something. And it just slows that response down. Another option is, you know, if you're religious or spiritual, is saying prayer, a very short prayer or grace um, before your meal. And it can be private. No one has to see. You know, you can say it in your head if you're feeling uncomfortable. Um, but just, you know, breath, gratitude, prayer, grace, these things are just basically stopping that steam train of stress in its tracks and slowing you down. And really you can implement something as simple as breath anywhere. If you can't do the other things, at least do the breath. Chew your food rather than rush in. I'm going to do an episode on optimizing your digestion, especially around chewing. Um, but you know, chew your food rather than rushing, rather than gulping it down, because you're not going to be getting those digestive enzymes, um, the the digestive juices working in your mouth. You're not going to be sending the right signals to the rest of your digestive tract that it's time to start absorbing food. Um, and when you're, you know, when you're rushing your food and gulping it down, you're kind of telling your body, your actions are telling your body, I'm under pressure here. You know, I have to get this food in. And it, it feels like a threat. As often as possible, sit down when you eat and try to create a calming, pleasant scene at the table. You know, in the in the evening, maybe you can have a candle or maybe you can have a bunch of flowers or maybe you can lower the lighting or just have some nice music playing. Whatever it is, just try to make it a little bit more pleasant. If you can't, you know, if it's not the evening, it's lunchtime and the only space for you to eat is at your desk, maybe just like put your notebook in a drawer for a minute so you're not staring <laughs> at your notebook or in your diary whilst you eat. Um, just try to create even something small that just makes it feel a bit more pleasant to sit down and eat at wherever you're eating um, and sitting down, you know, so your body can really calm down and get the signals that, okay, I'm now sitting down and it's time to eat. And as often as possible, which is not always possible, but, you know, as often as you can, eat with friends and people who you love. That's going to make you feel good. It's going to make you feel relaxed. You're going to enjoy your food in good company. And it's just creating these feel-good vibes that really just calm you down and make you feel safe and supported. And finally, don't allow yourself to get so hungry um, that you're stressing out because you're like, oh, I need to eat. Like I feel really ratty. I feel really shaky. I feel really low. And then you're just stuffing your face with whatever you can eat because actually having low blood sugar and high blood sugar is a stressor for the body. The body is going to see that as a stress. So already you're not optimizing your digestion. And then you're like stuffing your face with something. And I'm guilty of it too, you know, when I'm like suddenly really hungry because I haven't had a chance to find any food. Um, and you just kind of eat whatever you can grab insight at a really quick pace um you've kind of got a double whammy there you've got the low blood sugar being a stressor on your body but you've also got the kind of gulping down the food um affecting the way that you are preparing your body for digestion so as often as you can don't allow yourself to get so hungry that you're stressing out have some snacks with you meal plan if you can and if appropriate and as long as that's not stressing you out but you know have some nuts or berries um or just some healthy snacks um with you so that you don't get stuck in one of those moments okay so that was like a really beginner's guide to kind of optimizing the digestion and 
getting your body ready to absorb food properly and reduce that bloating that you get with the endo belly. In the next episode um, of this series, it's not necessarily going to be the next episode, but in the next episode of this series, I'm going to talk more about the importance of chewing stomach acid and digestive enzymes and what you can do to optimize those and how you can recognize signs that they might be low um, and not functioning how they should be. I hope this episode was helpful to you. Um, I would love to hear what you think and I'd love to hear um, if these episodes, these kind of episodes are a little bit more um, science-y and a bit more detailed are useful to you. So please um, send me a message on Instagram or email me um, and let me know um, if it helped you and what else you would like to know in this series. Uh, I hope you guys have a lovely week. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. Um, You can head to my website, which is www.thisendolife.com. And you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website. Um, I've put the link in my show notes. It's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis. As always, if you like this show, please rate, review and or subscribe. It really, truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis. This episode was produced by The Pod Farm. Whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started, visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world. Music.